Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when we share our stories. I am a huge, huge fan of this week's guest. Her podcast, Real Pod, is one that I listen to every week, and her body positive content on Instagram is inspiring to everyone that follows her. My guest this week is Victoria Garrick, who played Division I volleyball at the University of Southern California and is now the founder and CEO of The Hidden Opponent, as well as a content creator with thousands of followers on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. I asked Victoria to share her story with me, so I'm going to stop talking and pass the mic to Victoria Garrick. Of course. Well, my name is Victoria, and I played volleyball at USC for four years. I was a recruited walk-on, so I wasn't on scholarship, and my freshman year, I ended up in a starting role on the court, and we were number one in the country, so a lot that was not expected happened, and along with that excitement came a lot of anxiety for me. I'd never been in a high pressure role like that, or let alone, I didn't really know, nor was I prepared for the student athlete schedule and the lifestyle that that took. And I ended up battling a series of mental health issues from performance anxiety to binge eating disorder to ultimately an episode of major depression, which was the lowest point in my life that I've since experienced. And in going through those things, I just was opened up to the conversation around mental health and how many people could struggle from this. And I thought we're struggling for this. And specifically when it came to student athletes, that was my interest because that was uniquely how I experienced these mental health issues. And so I felt like that specific conversation just needed more attention. And that's what inspired me to speak out and share my story. And eventually I did that for the first time on the TED Talk stage. And then that led to putting more time into developing my voice, finding my voice on Instagram and YouTube and now TikTok and now a podcast. And it's kind of led me to be able to advocate for this full time. And the Hidden Opponent is an or a nonprofit organization that I founded last year to raise awareness for student athlete mental health. And actually, Leanne Pissarro from Washington and Lee is my partner at The Hidden Opponent. And so I'm just so grateful for all the work she's doing. And we've really built it out to be a community of student athletes all trying to destigmatize this important conversation. Victoria was so cool and real to talk to. And I am a huge fan of her content. Victoria raises awareness about disordered eating on her platforms, which is a serious problem that affects more people in our society than you may think. I asked Victoria to tell me about how common that issue is among women in particular, and this is what she told me. Well, it's extremely common. A a statistic that shocked me initially was that 80% of women are disordered eaters or have disordered eating habits, and that's 80% of women. And when we think about disordered eating, it's a lot of the things that we've kind of normalized as society, like 
constantly on a new diet, you know, joking about, and like I, this is like another example that I've grown really sensitive to, but I mean, this is the reality people say pulling trig and just things like that, that we've normalized as well as, oh, I've got to lose 10 pounds or I'm not eating carbs this week. Just those things that we kind of all talk about in passing conversation and we see in media, you know, I think a big result and reason for these issues in so many women and men as well is that we are pushed to obtain an impossible beauty standard. And so, you know, it's extremely common. And then I think specifically with me, my struggle was with binge eating. And I think I grew up and I was educated about anorexia and bulimia. And I think those two disorders maybe have a bit more of a conversation around them. But the shocking statistic is that binging disorders actually more likely than those two. So there's just so many things I've been learning because I I felt so ashamed in what I was struggling with. And so to realize just how many people are going through it, first is obviously comforting and you don't feel alone in your struggle. But then second, there was that part of me that was, oh my gosh, you know, this is not okay. So many people are struggling and how can we fix this? Victoria chose to use her struggles to open up and help others with their similar experiences. In her content, Victoria discusses her decision to tell her mom about her binge eating, which resulted in her getting help. I asked Victoria to tell me more about this experience, and she told me about some of the moments that caused her to seek help in improving her mental health. So I think I got to a point where I really felt truly helpless. I just really did not think I could do this by myself. It was almost like the depression and like the struggles was so consuming that I could no longer put up a front and just act like everything was okay. And so it was almost like I was in this position where I couldn't not tell someone because it was just like, for me at least, it took over how I was acting every single day. And so it was almost like just that in itself, um, how I looked, I was pale, I was, I had acne, um, I was stressed, and, and not to say anything's wrong with having acne, but I just typically have clearer skin, so it was like my parents could visibly see like changes in the way I looked that were a result of my mental health just deteriorating, and I, you know, so so that was a factor, and then the eating obviously was, aside from the depression, you know, you couldn't really see that struggle. Um, That was a big secret. And so I think what led me to telling my mom about it was I just felt so helpless with what was going on. And I think I actually had had a nutritionist on staff kind of tell me she thought I had this issue. And so I felt like I had been anointed with this binge eating term. And I almost felt like I had to tell my mom because it was now not just like I had a this issue with food, but it was, whoa, um, a licensed nutritionist has told me, I think you have a binge eating disorder. So that's kind of what led me to telling my mom. But in both cases, with letting people in and having them know what I was going through, they were able to help me. And that was game changing because the resources and the support and the love that I received is something I just couldn't have done on my own. So, you know, I encourage anyone who's struggling or going through something to open up to just even one person about it because it's going to help so much to have someone else helping you fight that battle. I mentioned Victoria's podcast, Real Pod, earlier, 
And if you're looking for some inspiration and real, true emotions, take a listen to one of her episodes. From the athletes to psychologists to change makers she's had as guests, I have found them all to be so uplifting, and her podcast is a real go-to for when I'm feeling uninspired. I asked Victoria, what do you do or think about when you've had bad days and you don't feel great about yourself? And this is what she told me. So personally, when I have those days, I definitely try to show up with compassion. So okay, Victoria, this is something that you've really struggled with for a really long time. If you're having these thoughts or something is triggering you, I understand. Like, this is not an easy thing. So I think, number one, not not judging the fact that I'm not feeling great and I'm having these thoughts that are old toxic thoughts, but just being like, okay, I get it, girl. This is This makes sense. The same way I would talk to a friend or someone like that. And then I try to change the focus because usually when I'm feeling bad about my body, it's about how my body looks or how much I weigh. It's, it's things like that. I don't fit into the size gene. And so I try to shift the focus away from my appearance and shift into a mindset of what my body does for me. So today I I am able to use two feet to step out of my bed. Um, And that's something that like a lot of people who have that ability take for granted. And so I just, those two things, try to be compassionate and be patient with myself as I navigate the day. And I understand this is going to be a hard day, but I'm strong enough to do it. And then second, just reminding myself, my body, it's about what my body is doing for me, not how my body looks. Social media has become routine in many of our lives but it can also be a source of anxiety and self-doubt. People are constantly posting their best and most glamorous photos, which distorts our sense of reality. I asked Victoria what advice she has for people who may be anxious about social media, and also how she manages to maintain her optimistic outlook when her career requires her to be present on social media. Number one, I think we need to shift the emphasis that we put on female bodies. It's just so about how we look. Even with the election happening right now, um, someone I was watching the news with made a comment like, Kamala can never wear, she, she's never worn a dress, she's never worn a skirt. And like, she needs to mix it up. And my first thought was, is anyone saying like, Biden or Trump needs to mix up their suits? No, like we're looking at a female politician and saying her outfit needs to be mixed up more. And that's just a small example of how when we look at women, it is so much about the presentation and the body type and if they're pretty or not. And so I think like taking that emphasis away, it's obviously a big, a big thing. So so the second part of your question, I don't know if we can, if we can change that. I think that's a small change that we each can control in our own lives. It's a change I try to make. Like when someone takes a picture of me, I don't go look at it to see if I look good because I'm no longer going to let that be a priority for me. I took the picture, the moment was captured and I'm, I'm going to be a moment girl, not a appearance girl. So like those are little things in my control that I try to shift for my own self. Um, and I also try to be that way when I look at other people. I also think too, 
just the toxic diet culture that lives online with the edited pictures we see and the toxic content we see and the way it's just circling around and it's liked and it's commented on and it's popular content. I think that's a huge issue. I think we're probably closer to making steps to change that issue first. I've seen some I think London, um, they're working on possibly having edited pictures be required to have a little watermark or something that says this picture is Photoshop, so that when you see this picture, you know this is not realistic. So I think there's little things we're starting to see. I definitely think there's been an uproar in this conversation in a really positive way, and I only think that can have positive ripple effects. Victoria talked about how her feed is full of body positivity and uplifting posts. There's been an increase in this type of content on social media, but there are also many people who still won't accept the movement. I asked Victoria to tell me about the changes she's hoping to see in the way society treats eating disorders and body image, and if she's optimistic that we can make those changes. This was her response. Right, right. I love this question. Well, number one, make cuts. Unfollow, mute, delete people who don't make you feel good about yourself. It's so important to be protective over the environment you live in every day. And social media is an environment most of us live in every single day. So, you know, making that change is huge. And I even joke with my friends, like if I go to my explore page, it is so uplifting. It is so positive. It is so not toxic because that's not the content I engage with. But obviously, I like you said, this is my career. So I go out of my way to seek other creators and other motivators who have similar messages and who are positive and, and uplifting. So as a result, that's what my feed is full of. And so, and then like my other friends click on their explore and it's models and bikinis. And it just shows like what you engage with the platform's going to send to you. So it's so, that's so important. And then secondly, in terms of like how I strike a balance it's difficult. I think like when people look at their screen time every day, you know, people are disgusted if their screen time is like above five hours. For me, my screen time every day is, I'm not kidding you, like eight. But the reason is because that is where I work. Like I post TikToks, I my podcast on there, Instagram, like YouTube upload comments. So it's tough for me because I would love a day where I don't have to be on my phone. And I think when I'm going out to dinner with someone or if I'm going on a walk or if my mom and I run to get coffee, I always leave my phone at home. I'm just like, I don't, I want to detach. Um, so I try to not have it on me when I don't have to. It's weird. Like I, I, I think another thing too is I never go on Instagram just to like scroll and like see what my friends are doing. I go on Instagram to like create content, get inspired or get up to date with like something happening. So I also, in a weird way, I'm always using social media, but it's always in like, I guess, a business way for me, not a luxury way. So I don't know. It's just stuff I navigate on the day to day. I definitely get overwhelmed and stressed with the amount of people who I know are seeing my content, but it just is part of the game. And I'm so grateful because there are so many people who support me and I feel so motivated and inspired by the people who message me and comment. And that's ultimately what, what I care most about. Okay, so of course we're talking about change, so it was time for me to ask my favorite question. What advice do you most want to share with young people who want to make a change in this country? And this was Victoria's answer. Well, I would encourage them to come over to The Hidden Opponent because the whole purpose behind founding that movement is to create a platform for other student athletes 
to have a voice. I had so many people come to me and say, I have a story too, or how did you get started advocating? I want to do the same, or this made such a difference for me, so I want to make a difference in my community. And the hope was to create a place where every single day we can be sharing the stories of other people who want to create change and want to share. And so, you know, I think that's a very tangible first way that they could start is join our community, join our Facebook group, group if they're student athletes and start to read and hear the other stories of others, read the stories published on our website at thehiddenopponent.com. And I also think like the potential is limitless. If you're a campus captain for the hidden opponent, you know, you're in you're an ambassador at your school and we love creativity. We love creating change in the mental health conversation. So if they have ideas or they want to start something, um, we just want to support that. The Hidden Opponent is an organization that is doing important work for athletes around the country. I wanted to include a college athlete's perspective in my conversation with Victoria, because obviously it is such an important part of her identity and activism. So please meet my good friend from Colorado, Claudia Dillon. This is Claudia's question for Victoria, as well as Victoria's answer. Hi, my name is Claudia Dillon. I play volleyball at Mizzou and I'm currently going into my sophomore year. I recently started following you during this quarantine break and I absolutely love everything you post and how you bring awareness when it comes to body image, especially for female athletes. As I was looking through your posts and posts from The Hidden Opponent, I loved reading about all the personal stories of athletes from around the nation and how they took action when it came to their mental health. I noticed that most of them talked about taking the leap or step to go and seek out help, and because of that, they are much better off in doing so. My question is more for the outside perspective. If a friend or family member notices a decline in someone's mental health or that they are going through a rough spot in life, what do you suggest is the best way to approach a conversation with them about taking those steps to get help or just letting them know that they don't have to try to figure it out on their own? Well, first of all, this is so sweet, and thank you for asking this question. That is kind of you to allow her to do that, and I am so touched that she wanted to as well. And this is a very important question, and the best way I think this can be gone about is get this person in a situation where they can feel comfortable. So whether you're FaceTiming them and you know they're in their room and they're just chilling or, I mean, that's probably the situation now with COVID, but if it wasn't COVID, if you are having lunch together or you're visiting them at their dorm, whatever it is, making sure that if they were to open up in this moment or cry that they would be in a safe space. So that's the environment key. And then secondly, saying to them, hey, I've noticed blank. So, hey, I've noticed that you haven't been showing up to team meal or hey i've noticed that you are quieter than usual whatever it is and the important thing is not to attach judgment so you're not saying i've noticed that you're super quiet what's wrong with you are you sad were you crying so we're not judging we're just stating what's what's the obvious and then saying and if you ever need anything or you ever need anyone to talk to i hope you know that i'm always here for you and i will support and love you no matter what so you're basically not even asking a question. You're just stating to them, I've noticed something's changed in you. And I just want to remind you that if there's anything going on, you can totally trust me and I love and support you. And I think in that situation, you haven't forced them to talk about something that might be uncomfortable for them, but you've also let them know what's important for them to know about their relationship with you. And then trusting that if they feel comfortable they will come to you. And I think it's healthy to leave it at that. I think especially with the way we care and worry about our loved ones, it can be really draining to 
constantly feel like you need to control someone else's life. And I've learned the hard way that we can't control anyone but ourselves. So if someone wants to open up to you, they will open up to you. But the most that you can do is let them know that they can definitely do that. Side note, obviously, if there is potential harm involved to themselves or another person, of course, we want to be a bit more aggressive and we want to, you know, reach out to a mental health professional or a counselor or a parent. But if this is just um, a small concern, I think that's a very great way to go about it. In the spirit of The Hidden Opponent, I want to encourage you to share your triumphs, struggles, and stories with the people you're close to and those who may have similar experiences. It's important to confide in others, allow them to support you, and offer to support them. We are all humans, and we are all dealing with something. And we can help one another by opening up, because change comes when we share our stories. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can listen to RealPod every Wednesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Victoria Garrick on Instagram and Twitter at Victoria Garrick and check out her YouTube channel too. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye guys!